Real changes require real solutions. At Back to Life Radio, powered by BZ Transfer Systems, we know that life happens. And when it's time to get back to life, we're here for you. Now, here are your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Pavick and she is the owner of two really phenomenal companies, BZBoards.com and CopperTouch.com. You're going to want to check out both of these, but today we're going to talk about play. We're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about things that affect us on a daily basis. And with everything going on in the world, we are living in record levels of stress. And for many of us, that just ramps us through the roof. And today we're going to talk about, you know, all work, no play, because, you know, we've got moms doing double duty and dads doing double duty with kids out of school, hybrid school, halfway, lines are long, everywhere you go, it's stressful. And I don't know about you, Linda, but every time I turn on the news, it's either new mandates, old mandates, changing mandates, and then I'm like, forget mandates. I don't even know what's going on. I'm just going to go to the grocery store and hold my breath. Well, Sandra, I could not agree with you more. I can't keep up with all of it. And the other thing is, if you're a traveler, everything is different state to state. Nothing is, um, nothing is, shall we say, planned. So if you're, I'm in Minnesota, you're in California, you're coming to Minnesota. The mandates are going to be different here than what you are seeing over there. So nobody knows what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, or how you're supposed to be doing it. Right. Well, and it was funny you say that because the last trip I made back to Minnesota, I had to stop uh, for a meeting in Atlanta, then another meeting in Salt Lake, and then come home. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to not even try anymore because everywhere I went was completely different. They're like, oh, yeah, that just changed yesterday. Like, how is that going to help me? construct my life. I don't know what to tell my kids. I don't know what to tell my dad. You know, I'm going to be flying him home in a week and he's 89. So good luck with that. And what I'm finding though, Linda, and maybe you are too, is that my natural exuberance, my fun, my playfulness, that's taken like a big old 747 nosedive right into the ocean. And It's been a lot harder for me to be creative and upbeat and positive. And I think what's happened is a lot of my play avenues have been cut off. You know, my gym classes, my, you know, pickup games in the park. You know, we used to all get together and do things. We don't do those things anymore. And I also think it's it's introduced an element of weirdness into shopping and even into going to work. You are 100% dead on on that. Now, one of the things that I have noticed that is it's so strange to me because I am a people kind of person when I'm in public, right? So I smile at people, I nod to people, I shake hands with people, I engage people in conversation, I might touch their arm. And I've noticed that when when you're walking, like yesterday, for instance, I was going into a building. And I opened the door and a woman was coming out and she all of a sudden backed up like five feet to let me pass by because she was concerned about me walking by her, I would imagine. 
that kind of thing to me is so foreign and what it's doing to change the population and the way that we interact, I don't think is good. I understand that people are afraid, that COVID has made people wary, whatever the case may be. I understand all the arguments about get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. I believe in freedom, so I don't enter into that argument whatsoever. I am vaccinated. I have MS, which puts me in a vulnerable position, but I still feel perfectly comfortable going where I go, doing what I do, and not worrying about it. But I think there is such a large part of the population that does not feel that way. And between you and I, Sandra, I could be wrong about this. I think it is politically media-driven. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this whole pandemic sells papers. It's great for platforms. It's, you know, all sorts of, of fodder for the media industry to make a lot of money. Um, and notwithstanding, I do want to just jump back for a second. You, more than anyone, would know a lot about, like, germs and viruses because you own a company called Copper Touch. And the Copper Touch I want people to go and look at it because as we talk about, you know, the stress of getting back to normal or adjusting to our new normal, your two products help people live better lives. Your two products help people get back to life. You have a, a BZ board, which is a transfer board. I'm going to let you talk about that in a minute. But right now I want you to tell me a little bit about this Copper Touch product because that's right in alignment with dealing with germs and bacteria and viruses. Oh. Absolutely, and thank you for that and for bringing that up. Um, Copper Touch is a product, actually, we invented Copper Touch two years before COVID was even a name that anybody had ever heard of, even though the COVID viruses have been around, you know, forever. Uh, it was never talked about until we had this horrible uh, outbreak, which will be two years, I think, in what, February or March now? Right. And so Copper Touch was before that, and we were doing really well. And what it is, is it's a handheld 99.9% .9 pure copper. Uh, one of our products looks like a bar of soap. The other one looks like a silver dollar, but they're made out of this pure copper. And if it, you study copper at all, it's a known fact in um, with the EPA that has approved copper as an antimicrobial element. And so what we found out just by playing around and doing testing in a lab with the copper is if you rub it and get the friction, that copper will penetrate the membranes of viruses and kill them within 60 seconds. It's the friction that activates the copper's antimicrobial properties to kill those viruses. So if you're not in a place where soap and water is readily available, if you're not in a place where you want to use liquid hand sanitizer so you don't want to carry them with you for whatever reason, Copper Touch is the answer. You rub it on your hands like a bar of soap um, between your fingers on the tops of your hands. Make sure you cover all surfaces. And you can use it as much as you want, as long as you don't have Wilson's disease, which is the only thing that um, would preclude you from being able to have that copper um, enzyme going into your body. You are safe and you can use it 100 times a day. It never runs out. 
It doesn't matter if it's tarnished. It doesn't matter if it's dented. As long as you don't lose it, it will activate and you can use it 100 times a day. Carry it in your pocket and rub your hand on it while you're walking. You're always germ free. Well, and, you know, I was looking at your photos the other day that you sent me and you went to a Gophers game. And tell me how handy it is to have a Copper Touch bar at a Minnesota Gopher game. Right. And for most people that don't know, our university, uh, Division One University in Minnesota, are called the Golden Gophers. Gopher is our state animal, as, as it will be, just for a little trivia for everybody. And uh, I went to the game. It's an outdoor stadium. Um, they required masks when you walked in and when you went to the beverage stands, which are indoors. But sitting outdoors, I, I saw very few people wearing masks. The copper touch, when you're touching things, before you eat your hot dog, rub the copper touch on your hands, you're germ-free, eat your hot dog, feeling good about that. When you touch surfaces, pull it out of your pocket and rub it on your hands. Well, yeah, because you, you touch a lot of things. You know, Correct. I was thinking about, you know, when I travel and how many things I touch, you know, I touch elevator buttons, I touch handrails, you know, you sit down and you you go along the seats in the airplane. I, you know, you brace yourself because, you know, you don't want to fall down. And I didn't realize until I I started learning about your product how many times we touch things and then we touch our faces and we touch our, you know, our body parts and things like that. So it's really cool that it's, it's antimicrobial, it's antibacterial, it's antiviral. I mean, that's a really neat thing. And before we move off copper touch, copper goes back to like forever ago. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, where the history of copper comes from? Well, in ancient times, I think, um, you know, I, I love this stuff because I always think about, you know, how did the cavemen figure out, you know, certain things? How did ancient civilizations figure out certain things and survive? Because we look at what we have now and we pretty much want everything done for us. We want to touch buttons. We want to push buttons. We want to have things appear on computer screens. Just think about all of the ancient times when they didn't have anything. They had to figure out what to eat, what was poisonous, what wasn't. And so when they discovered copper, what was so amazing, copper is a fairly soft metal. And um, so they were forging, um, the ancient civilization started forging um, weapons out of it because they were easy to form. Well, what they discovered when they would have wounds from, you know, their fighting and whatever they did back in those times, they would lay their copper weapon on the wound and it would heal versus in the past where they would have infections and a lot of times loss of life. The other thing they discovered was because it was so easy to mold into different items, they used it for drinking vessels. Well, they were having a lot of trouble with water being tainted, and all of a sudden that wasn't a problem anymore. And so through trial and error, they figured out that copper was keeping them uh, germ-free in their own way back in ancient times. And that's really how it all started. See, I think that's amazing because... 
you know, we look at some things that we take for granted is when we talk about, you know, kind of coming back to life and, you know, being able to go out and do things. I know for me with travel, traveling with a copper touch in my pocket when I, you know, like they won't let you get up out of the seat certain times on the aircraft to be able to ha have that in my purse, you know, is so cool to know the history behind it is even more fun. Um, when we talk about kind of getting back to normal or whatever our new next normal is, how do you think we handle like the mental game of it that, you know, you talked about leaving the grocery store or wherever you walked in that door and the woman gave you a wide berth. Like now I look at people like people I would normally stop to on the street and talk or in the park, stop and talk. And it crosses my mind, like, you know, COVID breath, Delta breath, like, are they going to grow their, you know, their, their breath on me? I would never think that, you know, I might think somebody had bad breath, you know, before COVID, but I would never look at somebody and go, wow, their health or non-health could make me sick. And I think that's a real mental game that weighs on us. Well, I, and I think that's true. You know, I do not have, I, that thought never enters my mind. Um, I just know, and that's a spiritual thing for me, uh, even with the MS and my compromised immune system, I know that if I'm going to get the flu. Now, I got the COVID shot. I'm going to get my flu shot probably tomorrow, and I do those things, and that's a personal decision. I don't um, lay that on other people, but it's just a personal decision that I make, and it works for me. But I just don't think about it because I know if I'm going to get a cold, if I'm going to get the flu, and even with this COVID, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You be careful. Um, I don't offer to shake hands with people, not because I'm concerned, but out of respect for them, because I don't know how other people feel. Now, I have people I'm in close contact with every day, and I still touch them. Um, I have not had any of the people around me that I work with say, you know, please stay apart from me, I'm nervous. Um, there was one employee that at one time, actually two employees that were very, very nervous and I gave them a wide berth, I respected that. They didn't say anything to me, but they, their actions showed me that they were really, really nervous. But other people, I still feel um, I can hug them or I can be near them and that isn't a problem. Um, but I understand what you're saying because anxiety levels are different for, for people. I am one of the lucky ones. I, I just don't feel anxiety on a regular basis whatsoever, but that comes from my spirituality. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I think is so interesting about, you know, this kind of pandemic dilemmas that we're facing and how some people roll with it and some people are crippled by it. You know, I have a large family, so we run the gamut from, you know, a couple of my family members who are so scared and crippled they won't leave the house or leave their apartment versus I've got a couple that are, you know, like my cousin Bob, you know, he flies all over the world. He's a pilot. And my cousin Kevin, he's a doctor, so he's in the front lines. I have my sister Susan and my cousin Jen, who are all nurses at, you know, Albany Medical and in New York. So, you know, it really runs the gamut, but it's, it's our thoughts, Linda, that drive us to, to almost like to madness, because I think about what we were talking about and we've got, you know, the people we work with, well, we're comfortable with them. So somehow it gives us this perceived 
um, free pass that like somebody in my family wouldn't make me sick or somebody I know wouldn't make me sick. But when I go to the airport, oh my God, somebody there is going to make me sick. Like <laughs> it right. makes no sense. Like the, you know, we, we, it, it's just, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, you know, a, a, um, we can't control who we're exposed to, even if, you know, we stay home, there's people who've gotten COVID and they don't know how they got COVID. So that's, I think, part of the mystery of this, this disease. And it really is a mental game to go, why would I think my cousin who's a pilot comes to visit, he's been all over the world, is less infectious than some man at the grocery store. But that's how I think. No, I understand that completely. And I think a lot of it, too, is, uh, again, I go back to it's media driven. I think sometimes um, without, um, I don't know if there ever is ill intent. You know, I'm not one of those that's going to um, be a mind reader and say that people that are, um, shall we say, have an effect on other people because they have a presence, whether it be um, through the internet or on television news or through a newspaper column, whatever it is, but they do have an opportunity to get into people's heads, right? Sure. And so I, I don't know what their intent would be, but I sometimes think there's a power thing that happens a control aspect that happens and there are people that take advantage of that and there are I understand exactly what you're saying there are some people that fall prey to that and that concerns me and it concerns me that we have some of that going on um, I think caution should be used I, I agree with you completely but at the same time I think we have to live our lives and I just feel right now that I can live pretty much a normal life. Um, I give um, space to people out of respect to them, um, not because I'm concerned, but I'm doing things pretty normally. And I don't know anybody. I would I guess I would have to ask everybody I work with. I don't have a wide berth because we live in small communities here, but I don't know anybody that is sick or suffering with COVID. And wow. I don't know anybody that has talked to me that says, oh, I know somebody that's sick or with COVID. It just isn't happening in the area where I am. See, and what a blessing. You know, I live in Los Angeles, so it's rampant here and it has been rampant. And I had a neighbor, 54, who died and left three children behind. And I've got, you know, it's we've had kids sent home from our school districts multiple times just this year. You know, we were three days into school and they had to send 60 kids home. So um, I think a lot of it is is depending on where you live, but it's also dependent on your state of mind. And I keep going back to state of mind, Linda, because, you know, we talk about the importance of play today, the importance of, you know, how play boosts your mental health and helps you be more present. And what I found is that I'm more vulnerable to the fear-based media posts or people in my family that are very fear-based. You know, when you're tired, when you're frustrated, when you're hungry, you know, when you're feeling emotional, all of those things make you ripe for kind of 
things to get into your mental psyche that maybe normally would roll right off. Like, you know how when you're tired, somebody says something and you take more of a front, like if you weren't tired, you just let it roll off. I find that if I don't attend to not only my mental health, but my physical health and using play and, you know, play can be, you know, getting a workout in, dancing around to music in the kitchen, you know, making something creative. Right. With right. a cupcake, you know, nobody's asking you to be Picasso or, you know, uh, Klimp. We just need you to take a break from things. And I think a lot of us go from work to the home. We turn the television set on. We eat. We listen. More fear, more fear, more fear. And right. where that play in there that gives us a break because play allows us to be mindful. And when we're mindful, it means we're present. And when we're present, we're not sick. We're not worried. We're like in the moment living and enjoying our meal, enjoying our workout, whatever we're doing to enjoy. And I think that's one of the things that this pandemic has taught me the importance of staying present and really throwing myself into the enjoyment of the present. Does that make sense? No, that made perfect sense. You know, I have often said to people that are really, really struggling, um, you know, I, I am one that believes very much that your spirituality guides you. And when I'm saying the word spirituality, because I've, I've repeated this now, I think, four times in this session, I'm not talking about any particular religion. Um, I've often said to people, if, if worshiping a telephone pole is your thing, I'm all for it. <laughs> because what it means is that you know that th there is a possibility that there's something greater than yourself. And when I learned that when I was very young, it helped me to be a kinder person. It helped me to have less anxiety, to take more chances, to be more rebellious if I wanted to be rebellious. It just helped me to be who I am today. Did I make a lot of mistakes? Absolutely. Did I have to do a lot of searching to find a spirituality that worked for me, that put me in a peaceful place and an accepting of the things that come your way place? Absolutely. But I can't say enough about finding some kind of grounding that will help with all of the things that you just, you just um, stated them all. And I get it and I understand it. So that's why I have repeated that quite a few times because I can't say enough how significant it is to have a grounding and to know that there is something a little bit bigger than yourself in, that will allow you to not focus just on yourself, if that makes any sense at all. Because oh, I, I think anxiety and fear comes from too much focus and self-involvement. Right. On the self, on the self, because if you, if you focus only on the self and you don't have a higher power, whatever that looks like, or, you know, it means to you, then that means you're the last resort. You're in charge of everything. You're responsible for everything. And Absolutely. I think that's a really precarious way to live. And when we talk about mindfulness, you know, I want to just jump in here and, and share a little bit about, you know, meditation and 
<clears throat> you know, there are walking meditations, there are music meditations, there are guided meditations on YouTube. You know, nobody's asking you to sit, you know, cross-legged in the desert, you know, with your hands going ohm. I think a lot of people think of that, you know, when they think of meditation, but one of the things that can really bring you calming and peace is the concept of meditation. And basically, you know, meditation is used in, in churches and temples and holy places around the world. And a meditation can be a simple walk in the park with just some music. You know, the whole point is to disconnect from our daily everything, disconnect from the computer, from the phone, you know, from the people around us and just be. And I think that concept of just being is something we have to fight for because we live in an era where there are demands for our attention. You know, the the it used to be. The demand for advertisers was our dollars, was our, you know, buy our product, buy our product, buy our product. The demand today now is watch us, watch us, watch us. Whether you're on social media, whether you're playing a video game, whether you're playing, you know, the digital era has taken our peace away and we have allowed it and advertisers know this sponsors know this digital companies i know i work for a digital company i own a digital company the demand that i make on the average person's psyche for their time to listen to get their attention it's the attention game so if we know that our whole culture is clamoring for each individual's attention, the remedy for the stress that we feel with this is the opposite. So we have to disconnect. We have to not pay attention. So that means shutting off your phone, shutting off your computer, giving yourself time just to reset. You know, I think everyone listening to today's show knows their phone needs to be recharged, right? Right. So why would we treat our cell phones better than we do our bodies? I can't argue with that. You know, we recharge our phones, we clean our screens, we get a protector, you know, we, we do all right. these things and, you know, we do it for our cars too. We get tune-ups and miles and, you know, um, oil changes and tire rotations. We do all these things, but yet we don't, we are not mindful that our bodies need the same thing. And when we talk about rest, rest doesn't just need to be a nap and meditation doesn't need to be cross-legged somewhere on a mountaintop, but looking at our bodies and go, okay, what did I do for you today? Where's your protective cover? Where is your recharge? You know, we recharge when we sleep, we recharge when we eat, we recharge when we rest. And rest can be, knitting or painting or, you know, something creative that takes us away. Rest doesn't have to be, you know, just taking a nap, but I'm astounded that we are not in this digital age, giving our brains a rest. And that's where I think a lot of the drama and trauma and ridiculousness is happening, especially in social media, because years ago, Linda, you know, in an era where we could only write letters to each other prior to fax machines, we actually had to sit down and think before we responded, right? 
Well, it's so funny you're bringing all this up because it's like you you read my mind. So keep going. I'm enjoying every minute of this. Oh, <laughs> so we get fax machines and now contracts get delivered almost immediately and you know, over the phone lines. Then we start getting scanners and things on our phone. And I don't know about you, but, you know, my inbox is a real source of stress to me because I feel if I don't get back to, let's say, William or Kelly or Renee, you like in the next 10 minutes, I feel like I'm I'm not you like you know working hard enough or working properly when the reality is there are some times I need to think about things before I answer and fire off an email and you know recently I was working with a client who would just fire off these emails and the emails were unprofessional they they didn't have a header or a greeting or a salutation and I think a lot of times when we can't see the recipient on the other end, because we're wiring and firing and we're going so fast and we want to get, you know, this done, that it makes it so that we've now become lax in our treatment of each other. And that's almost as bad as the treatment that we give ourselves. No, I could not agree with you more. And, you know, it's really interesting that that you brought all of that up because, uh, everybody that knows me really well knows that I am anti-technology. I understand we have to have it. I understand that people love it. But what concerns me and what I'm seeing, you know, I'll tell you a long, long time ago, I'm a big reader. And there are certain authors that I, I really enjoyed. And I was always so sad because I don't know, but for all of you readers out there, I don't know if you've experienced the same thing I have. Take a Stephen King, take a Dean Koontz. I'll give you those two names. And you read their books and you look so forward to them coming out and it's been so great. And all of a sudden, I know they have a life and they are people and they have every right to do what they want to do, but they start writing things that all of a sudden you're like, that, I don't like it anymore. You know, who are these authors? What are they doing? Okay, well, I'm a little off subject here, but Dean Koontz, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed his books and actually went back, read them again. There was one book he wrote that I, I absolutely laughed and, you know, I'm aging myself, but this would have probably been maybe late 80s, early 90s. And the book is about people and all of a sudden the computers are growing into the people. And so these tentacles are coming out and they're all becoming attached because they're so addicted to their technology that the computers are just taking over and they've grown into the people. And it's this horrible, you know, it, it's a sci-fi, this is what's going to happen to people kind of thing. Right. And it, right. And when I read that, I remember <laughs> saying to quite a few people, because we did back then, we didn't have the cell phones and the technology like we have not. Now, you know, there was no such thing as, you know, phones where you're running around taking pictures of everything and cameras with everything and, you know, FaceTiming with everything. There was nothing like that. And I remember saying to people, this is probably the truest fiction he's ever written because this is what's going to happen if this stuff keeps going the way it's going, not even knowing it was going to create where we are today. But this is really, you know, you look at kids, I don't know what age they're getting their phones, but they, they can't live without, I mean, if somebody has misplaced their phone, it's like the end of the world, Sandra. Oh, sure. <clears throat> yeah. They can't I even function like that. 
you know, that, that, you know, when I have birthday parties, I have to go around with a basket and have everybody put their phones in the basket. And then I put the basket in the kitchen and say, go in the pool or, you know, go play, right. you know, go whatever. Um, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, the addiction is real and the freneticness that we live our lives is real because think about it. We have to use our brain and every time we swipe and kids swipe, you know, everybody's swiping, we're getting information overload. So when we talk about, you know, willpower falling away when we're hungry, we're tired, we're frustrated, you know, all of these things come into play and we don't have downtime anymore. The minute, and I'm I'm part of the problem too. I mean, I'm the first one to admit that if I sit down and if I sit down in my dad's lazy boy, it's Im- almost impossible for me to not either turn on the TV or pick up my phone and scroll through something, YouTube, social media, emails, texts, you know, whatever, even pictures, like some sort of input, some sort of stimulus. And, you know, that's when we talk about, you know, the important importance of rest and giving ourselves a digital detox or a break. And I ask you, Linda, and I'm going to ask everybody listening today, when is the last time you just did nothing? Like where you had some alone time, especially if you're mom and you have kids like, and you work the, sometimes the only alone time I ever get is in my car. And what do I do? The first thing I do is I turn on my digital radio, you know, and start filling it up. But you know, spending time in nature and you're not on your phone taking pictures and having some alone time. These are the mindfulness things that I think can bring us as a population, as a culture down off the rafters and bring that stress level down. But it's an individual choice. We have to make the choice not to pick up the phone, choice not to turn on the TV, the choice to spend a little alone time. You know, even if you're browsing like my alone time, funnily enough, I can't seem to just sit quietly. So my alone time is usually running to like a TJ Maxx or a Marshall's and I shut off my phone and I walk around and I just look at the pretty things. I don't buy anything. I just, and I like the air conditioning because it's so hot here, but you know, I'll walk around in there for like 45 minutes. And the person that walks in the store, Linda, is tense. My shoulders are tense. My jaw is clenched. I'm completely stiff. After I start in the handbags, I make it over to the makeup, around the sweaters. By the time I get to the gym clothes, I'm actually a physically different person. Now, that works for me, but I want to ask you, what do you do that causes your state to change so much from the point at which you start, the halfway point and the finish point, you're a vastly different person? Well, reading is a big thing for me. Um, And I know that's taking in information. I understand that, but it is a big, big part of my life. And so um, when when I I would say in my world, because of um, situations that I that I live with and that I have where I have people I have to take care of and things I have to do, probably about nine o'clock in the evening, I'm able to be alone. Um, I have a dog. Uh, actually, I have three dogs, but I have one dog that's that's very attached to me. That dog is normally right at my side, which is a bonding. Um, so that part is soothing in itself. 
Um, and then the other part of it is the reading. Now, sometimes I read like last night and the last three days, I have read a fiction book that was light, breezy, airy, and it's just for fun. And I allow myself to do that. And then sometimes I'm in a mode where I say, okay, nope, I'm, I need to be reading something that is teaching me A, B, or C, because I need that. And my learning is actually a relaxation for me. Um, and that is just me. I don't say that other people have to do that because I know a lot of people um, think that that's a little bit odd. Um, studying uh, is not something that's fun for people. For me, studying, researching is really fun. So I know I'm very odd that way. Well, and that's I'm okay. say you're actually not that odd because in the book, The Art of Rest, they did a survey and, and it's been shown that reading is the most popular restful activity. More than 58% of people state reading as their number one rest and relaxation. And what's interesting, Linda, is we don't know why reading is so restful. And they think maybe it's because you can control your own experience. You can read at your own pace, in your own way. You can choose fiction or nonfiction. It can transport you to into other people's world right. and the experience of reading can stick with you for hours, days, and even years. And instead of cleaning up your thoughts, it adds new ones and it can replace anxious and frustrated thoughts with feelings of joy and, and, and like you said, learning and education. So actually I think you're spot on. Well, that's good for me to know. Thank you. I, I like what you just said. But no, that is a big, a big part of it for me. And I make sure that every night that I have some of that, because then let's say it's 10, 10, 30. And I have somebody that I take care of that then I have to go do medications and make sure, you know, everybody's in bed and that kind of thing. And um, then when I go back to bed, I'm a real snob and I admit it. Uh, current television, and I've been this way for probably 15, 20 years, those that know me, they'll talk about, oh, you know, do you watch, like in the days of Friends, do you, do you watch Friends? I, I watched three minutes of it, and I said, I can't even believe anybody would watch this. I hate it. <laughs> and I don't use the hate word very often, but I just couldn't stand it. Um, I'm like that with almost all current television and movies. Just can't, I just can't get into it. So I have my own collection um, I have a good friend named William who I've shared some of the old stuff that I really like. And he actually said, oh, well, I've got that too. Or, oh, I've seen that too. You know, like Creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, who in the world would put on Creature from the Black Lagoon? I think they were in the 1950s. But William was right there. And it was really fun. So there are things like that that I do. Um, I have my go-to things. I love Lucy, Andy Gerva's show that I'll put on because I'm not a good sleeper. My mind doesn't shut down. I just put that stuff on. And to me, that's like meditative reading. Wow. And that's how I handle things. Because if I didn't, I think I would come to work as a boss and be a frantic mess. And, yeah. you know, because when you own companies, you have to worry about how are you going to pay people? How are you going to pay the rent? Um, you want to make sure they have a good working environment. You want to make sure everybody's happy. How do you get um, the parts that make the products so that you can manufacture them and put them together? There's a lot of worries. 
And I don't want those worries to spill over to the employees. I want them to feel comfortable, happy where they work and secure. And so that's a lot of stress. And that's why I do what I do. And I don't want to come to work carrying burdens where they feel I'm all stressed out. That isn't good for them. No, it'll trickle down and, you know, you'll have high turnover rate, high frustration, lots of lawsuits. I mean, there's a lot of things that are on the shoulders of the uh, company owner today, especially, you know, now adding in the COVID restrictions and what are the mandates and, you know, all of these things add things on top of everything we're already dealing with. So to have some sort of night ritual to help you calm down and reset. And I actually had to make one of these with my, my business coach and my, what I was doing wasn't working. I would hop in the tub. I'd take my iPad. I'd start, you know, watching videos, doing Pinterest, you know, looking at stuff. And I'd be up till one, two o'clock in the morning versus when we switched, she said, the only thing I can bring into a bathtub is a book. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And what I did is I said, okay, you know what? I don't like this, you know, cause I've been doing, I'm kind of a creature of habit. I've been doing that for years. And she says, trust me, she goes, give me one week and see the difference. And what I noticed, cause I have a fitness watch is that when I am on my iPad or on my digital device, my phone, I stay up till 1130, 12 o'clock. When I read a book, I barely make it past 10.15. My eyes start to droop. It's not that the book is so boring because I'm actually reading a really good book right now. And I, I, I had to actually put it aside, Linda, because we had the radio show. I read it up to like nine minutes before we get on the recording. And then I'm like, oh, my Skype is resetting, you know, <laughs> because of the book was so exciting and interesting to me. So I know that it wasn't the, the function of getting... Um, the the story was boring and put me to sleep. It was the process. And, you know, to wrap around your caveman days, when you talked about the use of copper arrows and pushing the copper arrow on the wound to help, you know, clean it and things like that, which they probably discovered because they heated it and cauterized it. I mean, that's kind of a whole nother nerd fest for us to have later. Um, But think about what goes back to the dawn of time. Cave pictures, writing on walls, hieroglyphics, reading. So I wonder, just like you said, there's a component between recognizing, you know, 100,000 years ago, the use of copper versus us having some sort of different neurological relationship with our digital device versus reading a book or reading, you know, even digital watching TV. I wonder if there's some sort of neural connections that are being made that allow our brain to do something different with um, a written word, just like a hieroglyphic or a cave painting. Sure. No, absolutely. And we're getting really analytical here, and it it might be um, not interesting to everybody, but I think that that's very true. I think about that kind of thing. In fact, I'm working on, you introduced me to storyboards a while ago, and I'm actually working on a private storyboard. I'm doing it not in your form digitally. I'm doing it all on paper, but I'll be sharing it with everybody, and it is my caveman story working through time 
um, I'm really excited about doing that because I want to actually get it into some kind of animation and get it on our website to show all the different things that I think it's really important to understand. You know, we might say like my heritage is Swedish and Norwegian, right? And your heritage might be German and something else. But really, our heritage goes all the way back to those times. You know, if it wasn't for the beginning of the human race, we wouldn't even be here. And right. so I think about that stuff all the time. And I think if we don't do a lot of, uh, shall I say, probing about things that might seem like really strange subjects or things to think about, but if we don't do that, we don't get expansive in the way right. that we think and the things that are important to us. I think it all, and I can tell you from personal experience, I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life that could have created tremendous anxiety that could have basically shut, shut me down. And I'm very lucky because my spiritual um, teachings that I did for myself showed me a way to overcome that. And now all of this kind of thinking and all of these kinds of talks have allowed me to stay pretty calm through pretty much anything. See, and I love that. You know, I love that because the whole point of of life is is living and enjoying, you know, and I think of your two products, you know, Copper Touch at coppertouch.com and BZ Boards at bzboards.com. And, you know, we're going to talk about the BZ Boards in the next episode, but I want you guys to go and check them out because they really do help people get back to life. And what's the point of getting back to life? These two amazing products that you have, if our own thoughts defeat us. And, exactly. you know, one of the things that I find so interesting to you and why I could talk to you for hours is reading is such a private entity. And then to think about what you're reading and to think about how how can my life be better? You know, I think of when you made Copper Touch and when you made Beezy Boards, you know, those those not you personally, but the people who created them. Um they really thought one day, how do I make the world better for someone? And that's how these products came forward. But when we're talking today about kind of the art of rest and, and the importance of play, we're talking about how do we make things better internally, like internally for us, if we can rest, if we can read, if we can restore, if we can um, take a break from all these wonderful digital devices that we have, you know, there's always a flip side to everything. Um, they have wonderful sides, but like anything overused, you know, we have a problem. And when I look at the products that we talked about today on the show, and I look at the, you know, kind of the spiritual internal, what's going on inside of you, they kind of go hand in hand. Cause what's the point of having a BZ transfer board to help you get from, you know, the wheelchair to the car. If you get in the car and you're defeated, spiritually right. defeated right. mentally like that's why these shows are so important because they all go together your products plus our thoughts you know there's no point in having sneakers what is it nike just do it if you're not going to get off the couch that's right no absolutely i'm with you so linda um as we get uh finished with today's episode how can people find more about the products that we've talked about in today's show um, I recommend that you go to the website, bzboards.com, B-E-A-S-Y, B 
B-O-A-R-D-S.com or coppertouch.com, C-O-P-P-E-R-T-O-U-C-H.com. Um, we are located in Minnesota. You can call us at 651-674-0212. And we do answer the phone during business hours, which are eight to five. So it's a real live human being that answers the phone. I love that. That's like my big hot button. That's why I choose the TogiNet radio company that produces our shows because you can always speak to a live person. For those of you that are wondering, the books that we referenced today for our show, we referenced All Work, No Play by Dale Sidebottom. That came out in 2021, and it teaches tips to getting more happiness and joy from everyday life. We also cited things from The Art of Rest by Claudia Hammond. That book came out in 2019, and it's a deep dive into the world of rest. So if any of the things we talked about today tickled your fancy and you want to take a look at these books, please do. Neither of the authors represented anything on the show today. They did not pay for their presence on today's show. It was just two books that Linda and I both thought would be really great reads if you're looking for a good night read. Lastly, I want to thank Linda Pavick of coppertouch.com and bzboards.com for being our guest today. We'll be back again soon with another great episode. Of your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier, and our friends at BZ Trans Systems. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to www.bzboards.com. Join us next time on Back to Life Radio.